0: Welcome to Jabberwocky Audio Theatre. This podcast is made possible by G. Mark C., a listener like you who's backing us on Patreon. Thank you. Visit our website at jabberaudio.com support to learn more, or go to patreon.com slash teamjabberwocky.
1: The following audio theatre is rated ADPG, so parental guidance is suggested. Jabberwocky Audio Theatre presents Through a Glass Darkly Hi, I'm Bjorn Munson,
0: the Artistic Director of Jabberwocky Audio Theatre. Many of you have already heard Through the Looking Glass, our anthology series of folk tales and fairy tales that debuted recently. And if not... It will be on our pod feed and available on our website, so you can go and check it out after you finish listening to this. Anyway, when we came up with the idea of Through the Looking Glass, we knew we wanted to have a sister series of sorts, a place where we could tell similar, but spookier tales. Now, I know this is something of a fine line, you know? Uh, in our first season of Through the Looking Glass, we had robbers assaulted by animals, ogresses trying to eat children, uh, ducks getting gunned down, uh, and and there's probably some other events I'm forgetting. Fairy tales can be plenty scary all on their own. At the same time, it felt like we needed to have a separate series to contain tales that were a bit more sinister, and some out-and-out Ghost stories. Think of tales that might have been told to you around the campfire. Or perhaps you told a few around the campfire yourself. As with Through the Looking Glass and all the shows we do here at Jabberwocky Audio Theatre, we'll have ratings before each episode and further descriptions of those ratings in the show notes. While several of these tales will be rated ADG, There's a few that will definitely be rated ADPG, so parental guidance will be suggested. Uh, Pretty much like all of our shows, people, and in this case creatures, are up to no good a lot of the time. And in the case of this particular show, well, uh, humans are going to get devoured. You're just going to have to plan for that. Uh, But it's not all human devouring. Uh, Sometimes things will just go bump in the night, or or hiss, or, well, you get the idea. It'll generally be nighttime in these shows. Uh, Through a Glass Darkly is going to be a generally creepier series. So if you're thinking of vintage radio shows like Suspense, or Inner Sanctum, or even some of the darker tales in Escape... That's basically what we're going for. And at least for now, you know, this kind of terror, darker tale, that doesn't include existential horror or angst. So if you caught the name through a glass darkly and you're tuning into this hoping for a podcast exploring Igmar Bergman films, um, well, I'm not saying we won't have a story at some point where the main character is playing chess with death, but for now you're out of luck. So, expect stories from days of yore, both classic tales published in the past century or so, as well as traditional stories that have been passed down through oral tradition, campfire or no. Much like our sister anthology series, Through a Glass Darkly will experiment with different forms, from dramatic readings to partial or full cast performances, And in another fashion, we will mirror what we did for the first episode of Through the Looking Glass. We're about to give you a couple stories in this first episode. The first tale is a traditional one from North America. I've heard it said in Appalachia and various parts of the American South, and I've actually heard many versions of it. But now, let's hear the version closest to the version I first heard of Tailey
2: Once, not long ago, truth be told, there was an old man who lived deep in the woods, maybe half a day from the mountains and right near some marshland. Wasn't the most hospitable country, not at all, but the old man liked it that way. It meant he didn't have no neighbors. He liked to keep to himself, you see. Now, he was sociable enough when he come to town which was rare, but the townsfolk knew well enough not to ask too much of his business and let him be. And he was friendly enough that he would let the children pet his dogs. He had three. I know, you know, and Calico. He'd walk into town maybe once a season, if that, on long legs with his three dogs in tow and walk out almost as fast. He didn't like to come to town, would go most of the year if he could avoid it, and he usually could. He lived out in the woods in a small cabin he had built himself, one room which served as bedroom, living room, dining room, and kitchen. It was solidly built, centered around a sizable fireplace where he could do all his cooking. As for what he cooked, that would be everything he could hunt and fish, plus a few vegetables from a small garden he kept out back and which the dogs would occasionally need to keep wild critters away from. The old man would eat anything, though venison and rabbit were favorites. He could spend most of the day out hunting or fishing, and though there might be lean seasons, rare was the day he came back empty-handed or the night he went to sleep with anything less than a full belly. One winter, you might remember the one not too many years back, it was bitter cold, and every living thing seemed to have gone to ground or disappeared altogether. The old man found his belly grumbling something fierce earlier and earlier in the day. He tried all the old places and dozens of new ones, and no game could be found. Finally, on one bleak day as the sun had set and darkness was beginning to spread among the trees, he trudged with his dogs back to his cabin. He had just chopped some wood for the evening fire when over near the now empty garden he thought he heard an animal scratch, scratch, scratching at the ground. Quickly and quiet-like, he set down the last piece of wood, picked up his axe, and approached the sound. He saw a critter He couldn't quite recognize him amidst the fall leaves, not but a few paces off. Now, he couldn't tell if this was a weasel, or a raccoon, or what, but it was going to be dinner of this, he was sure. He knew if he went to get his rifle, it'd bolt, and like as not, it'd outrun his dogs if he called for them. So he stepped and stepped softly, Now, with his hand on his axe, getting closer and closer, and whap, down went the axe. The critter screeched a horrid screech the old man had never heard and bolted. It skittered off into the woods and into the deepening gloom out of sight. The old man was about to curse his luck when he saw that he had hit the critter and had chopped off its tail. And it was big half as long as one of his hound dogs, and hairy as all get out. His stomach grumbled, and dinner plans were made. After cleaning it, he cooked it up amid the fire. He found there was a decent amount of meat, certainly his stomach thought so. He took his time enjoying each morsel, saving a few bits for his faithful dogs, who eagerly lapped up the old man's leavings. His belly sated for the first time in ages, he put the dogs out for the night, changed into his nightshirt, and climbed into bed as the embers of the fire died down. He was fast asleep for who knows how long when he awoke to the sound of a scratch, scratch scratching on the side of the cabin. Then the old man heard the most awful voice cry out,
0: "Hey!" Leap-o.
2: Tailey Poe, where is my Tailey Poe? The old man got out of the bed with a start. He ran to the door, opened it, and cried out to his dogs. I know, you know, Calico, get that critter! (laughs) The dogs barked furiously and leapt up after it, but the critter was mighty fast and slipped away. After a few minutes, the dogs came back. The old man settled them down and went back to bed himself. A few more hours passed, and once again, the old man was shaken out of his slumber by a scratch, scratch, scratching. He opened his eyes and saw a claw reaching under a crack in the door. Telephone, telephone. I Telephone! not spy star Telephone! This time, the old man felt a chill go through him. He called out to his dogs, I know! You know! Calico, get that critter! He heard the dog bound onto the porch just as the critter scurried away. By the time he grabbed his rifle and flung open the door, their barks were coming deep in the woods. The old man put on his boots as quick as he could and went after them. I know! You know! Calico! Come back here, boys! Come back! But the barking became more distant. Come back here, boys! Come back! The barks got fainter and fainter until the old man heard them change to mournful howls. With growing dread, the old man realized what the creature had done. It had led them into the swamp to be lost and swallowed up in the marsh and the mire. Then, after all the howls died away, a lone voice came through the trees. Tilly-poo, taily I see- What's my taily poo? As the voice carried over the wind, the old man got another chill in his bones. He bolted back towards his cabin, but in his rush out of doors, he had taken no lantern or other light, and suddenly he tripped. Down, down, and splash, he went into a small creek, banging his knee on a rock. Panicked, he got up and grabbed for his rifle, only to find... The stock busted and the barrel bent. Clutching his useless weapon, he ran back to the cabin where he shut the front door, bolted it, closed the storm shutters on the window and bolted them and slunk into his bed, pulling the covers up as he shivered still cold from the creek water. Kaley Poe! Poe! Where is my Kaley Poe? The voice sounded closer. Still in the woods, but closer. Then, quicker than ever seemed possible, he heard a scratch, scratch, scratching at the front door. Claws scraped against the door, and it shook on its hinges ever so slightly. But the door held. let still, what's my Tailly poop? Now the scratch, scratch, scratching was at the window. It was furious and fast and the old man could hear the creature hissing as it breathed, but the storm shutters held. T-l-l-p-o, t-l-l-p-o, I'm gonna get my the old man heard scratching and scrabbling on the roof. Too late, he realized the embers in the fireplace were too low, and the flue was open. Scrabble, scrabble, cry. Something had fallen down the chimney, spreading ash everywhere. The old man coughed, unable to see. <coughs> tail-y-bo, tail-y-bo, who's done got my the screechy voice echoed in the small cabin. The old man was petrified in his bed, trying desperately to see where the creature was amid the dust and ash, and then there it was at the foot of the bed a short, stubby snout. Pointed ears and eyes, oh, the eyes they were yellow and red, and as they fixed on the old man, they lit up and its mouth opened to reveal long, sharp teeth. Daily ball. Daily ball. you got it Some time later, some of the townsfolk who had not seen the old man in some time longer even for him, decided to go out and check up on him. After the difficult trek from town, they finally came across his cabin, which was torn apart and in bad repair. But they never found the old man or his dogs. But sometimes, when you go out that way at night, if you listen right close to the wind, you can hear, Tally now I got my daily poem.
0: The Open Window by Saki. My aunts will be down presently, Mr. Nuttall, said a very self possessed young lady of fifteen. In the meantime, you must try and put up with me. Frampton Nuttall endeavoured to say the correct something, which should duly flatter the niece of the moment without unduly discounting the aunt that was to come. Privately, he doubted more than ever whether these formal visits on a succession of total strangers would do much towards helping the nerve cure, which he was supposed to be undergoing. I know how it will be his sister had said when he was preparing to migrate to this rural retreat. You will bury yourself down there and not speak to a living soul, and your nerves will be worse than ever from moping. I shall just give you letters of introduction to all the people I know there. Some of them, as far as I can remember, were quite nice. Frampton wondered whether Mrs. Sappleton, the lady to whom he was presenting one of the letters of introduction, came into the nice division. "'Do you know many of the people round here?' asked the niece, "'when she judged that they had had sufficient silent communion. Ah, uh, "'Hardly a soul,' said Frampton. "'My sister was staying here at the rectory, you know, uh, some four years ago, "'and she gave me letters of introduction to some of the people here.' "'He made the last statement in a tone of distinct regret. "'Then you know practically nothing about my aunt?' "'pursued the self-possessed young lady. "'Only her name and address,' admitted the caller. "'He was wondering whether Mrs. Sappleton "'was in the married or widowed state. "'An undefinable something about the room "'seemed to suggest masculine habitation. "'Her great tragedy happened just three years ago,' "'said the child. "'That would be since your sister's time.' "'Her tragedy?' asked Frampton.' Somehow, in this restful country spot, tragedies seemed out of place. "'You may wonder why we keep that window wide open on an October afternoon,' said the niece, indicating a large French window that opened on to a lawn. "'It is quite warm for the time of year,' said Frampton. "'But has that window got anything to do with the tragedy?' "'Out through that window three years ago to a day,' Her husband and her two young brothers went off for their day's shooting. They never came back. In crossing the moor to their favorite snipe-shooting grounds, they were all three engulfed in a treacherous piece of bog. It had been that dreadful wet summer, you know, and places that were safe in other years gave way suddenly, without warning. Their bodies were never recovered. That was the dreadful part of it. Here the child's voice lost its self-possessed note and became falteringly human. Poor aunt always thinks that they will come back some day, they and the little brown spaniel that was lost with them, and walk in at that window just as they used to do. That is why the window is kept open every evening till it is quite dusk. Poor dear aunt, she has often told me how they went out her husband with his white waterproof coat over his arm and Ronnie, her youngest brother, singing, Bertie, why do you bound, as he always did to tease her, because she said it got on her nerves. Do you know sometimes on still quiet evenings like this, I almost get a creepy feeling that they will all walk in through that window. She broke off with a little shudder. It was a relief to Frampton when the aunt bustled into the room with a whirl of apologies for being late in making her appearance. "'I hope Vera has been amusing you,' she said. "'She has been very interesting,' said Frampton.
1: "'I
0: hope you don't mind the open window,' said Mrs. Sappleton briskly. "'My husband and brothers will be home directly from shooting, and they always come in this way.' They've been out for snipe in the marshes today, so they'll make a fine mess over my poor carpets. Uh, so like you men folk, isn't it? She rattled on cheerfully about the shooting and the scarcity of birds and the prospects for duck in the winter. To Frampton, it was all purely horrible. He made a desperate but only partially successful effort to turn the talk onto a less ghastly topic... He was conscious that his hostess was giving him only a fragment of her attention, and her eyes were constantly straying past him to the open window and the lawn beyond. It was certainly an unfortunate coincidence that he should have paid a visit on this tragic anniversary. The doctors agree in ordering me complete rest, an absence of mental excitement and avoidance of anything in the nature of violent physical exercise. "'announced Frampton, who laboured under the tolerably widespread delusion "'that total strangers and chance acquaintances "'are hungry for the least detail of one's ailments and infirmities, "'their cause and their cure. "'On the matter of diet, they are not so much in agreement,' he continued. "'No,' said Mrs. Sappleton, "'in a voice which only replaced a yawn at the last moment.' Then she suddenly brightened into alert attention, but not to what Frampton was saying. "'Here they are at last,' she cried, "'just in time for tea, and don't they look as if they were muddy up to the eyes?' Frampton shivered slightly and turned toward the niece with a look intended to convey sympathetic comprehension. The child was staring out through the open window with dazed horror in her eyes— In a chill shock of nameless fear, Frampton swung round in his seat and looked in the same direction. In the deepening twilight, three figures were walking across the lawn towards the window. They all carried guns under their arms, and one of them was additionally burdened with a white coat hung over his shoulders. A tired brown spaniel kept close at the heels. Noiselessly, they neared the house, and then a hoarse young voice chanted out of the dusk, "'I said, Bertie, why do you bound?' Frampton grabbed wildly at his stick and hat. The hall door, the gravel drive, and the front gate were dimly noted stages in his headlong retreat. A cyclist coming along the road had to run into a hedge to avoid an imminent collision. Here we are, my dear, said the bearer of the white mackintosh, coming in through the window. Fairly muddy, but most of it's dry. Uh, who was that who bolted out as we came up? A most extraordinary man, a Mr. Nuttall, said Mrs. Sappleton. Could only talk about his illnesses and dashed off without a word of goodbye or apology when you arrived. One would think he had seen a ghost. I expect it was the Spaniel said the niece calmly. He told me he had a horror of dogs. He was once hunted into a cemetery somewhere on the banks of the Ganges by a pack of pariah dogs and had to spend the night in a newly dug grave with the creatures snarling and grinning and foaming just above him. Enough to make anyone lose their nerves. Romance at short notice was her speciality.
1: You've been listening to Through a Glass Darkly from Jabberwocky Audio Theatre. Tonight's productions, Tailey Poe, a traditional tale adapted for radio by Bjorn Munson and performed by Brooks Tegler, and The Open Window by Saki, performed by Bjorn Munson. Produced by Jabberwocky Audio Theatre in association with WERALP Radio Arlington. 96.7 96.7 FM, Arlington, Virginia. Recorded at Tulgee Wood Studios in Springfield, Virginia, with supplemental recording at Tohu Bohu Productions in Burke, Virginia. Dialogue editing by Maurice Malda, with final sound mix and mastering by William R. Coughlin. If you're enjoying Through a Glass Darkly and the other yarns we spin at Jabberwocky Audio Theatre, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts or your podcast provider of choice. Check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash teamjabberwocky for exclusive content and to help us continue to bring you further tales of mysterious suspense and high adventure. Until next time, this is William R. Coughlin saying thanks for listening, and tune in next week for the next episode of Through a Glass, Darkly. Hast thou slain the Jabberwock?